You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question is a follow-up question to an episode we did on infant baptism. We'll have that linked in the show notes. So here is our email. It says, okay, I don't know if this is allowed, but a couple comments you both made on the infant baptism episode sparked a follow-up. So... In the episode, I said, okay, if I've circumcised my sons, then they don't need to be infant baptized, right? And so you responded, right, well, yeah, okay. And then you, dad, said you were baptized as an infant. I don't think that's the same baptism as circumcision. So right. the follow-up question from Nathan is, health, cultural, or traditional reasons aside, should Christian parents have their sons circumcised for religious or theological reasons? So number one, forgive my lack of clarity. If memory serves when you and I were talking about that, I was trying to be a little bit humorous. When yes. talking about, yeah, I was baptized as an infant, but that doesn't count. Yes. Meaning even though as a Catholic family, my parents doing you know what they thought was normal, like we'd had child dedication or whatever, the reasons they did that, I won't discuss that or dispute that. My point was, I don't think that sufficed for what infant baptism, right, when we talked about that. Secondly, referencing my own infant baptism, I know well-intentioned parents who believe that is a satisfactory form of baptism. I do not. Mm -hmm. So what I did, and I went back and double-checked some of my references on this, R.C. Sproul, and I believe I mentioned this in that Ask Dr. E., and you'll find other reformers will connect the Old Testament circumcision with the New Testament infant baptism. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's a, it's a, a deeper study, but let me just give you the, the nutshell of that. In chapter 17 of Genesis, God says to Abraham, my covenant will be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And this is when he institutes circumcision. And he tells Abraham to circumcise all the males. Now, later on, when Isaac is going to be born a year later, a year or more later, there's this conversation. It's it's a fun story because he's telling, you know, Abraham he's going to have a son and Sarah overhears it and she laughs, you know, remember that whole Mm -hmm. thing. And this is where chapter 17, verse 19 is important. Genesis 17, 19, God said, no, but Sarah, your wife will bear a son. You will call his name Isaac and establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. I can't say blanket all reformers, but there is a teaching. There, there are those who believe that covenant was illustrated in the rite of circumcision. Okay. Because cutting a covenant literally means to cut something. Right. So when Abraham cut the animals yep. and the presence went through, yes. God ratified his own covenant because Abraham couldn't do anything, if right. you will, to ratify this covenant. God had to do it. A unilateral covenant is what God made with Abraham. Right. Circumcision was a picture of that, but I'm arguing that's not what the New Testament teaches. It doesn't teach a circumcised covenant continues the everlasting covenant from Abraham. That was God's covenant he made with himself by himself to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So his descendants after him are the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the question at hand, was it a sign of the covenant or is it a continuation of the Abrahamic covenant? Okay. That's a problem because Ishmael circumcised. Oh, interesting. Ishmael's not his descendant. The covenant's going to go through Isaac. Where, where does it say Ishmael circumcised? They're all circumcised. Okay. Whether they were a slave, whether they were a servant, anyone in the household of Got Abraham it. was circumcised after that law. 
Genesis chapter 21, mm-hmm. verse 4, Isaac is born. Mm-hmm. He's eight days old, and he's circumcised. Okay. So that's, and again, I'm not trying to incriminate or accuse my Reformed friends. That's kind of the argument they use, that this is a sign then of God's covenant. That's not what baptism is about in the New Testament. It's right. not even near this. Right. To arm myself for, you know, let's people challenge. I searched and of all places, Piper in Desiring God has an incredible message. We'll put the link in the show notes. You can read it in five minutes. He very clearly articulates a defense of believers baptism. He also touches on a secondary issue of what's called replacement theology. We can talk Mm, about that mm -hmm, if we have mm -hmm. time. But all that to say the New Testament, it's clear. These were people who were old enough to comprehend what it meant to trust Christ and Christ alone. You can't look at any passage other than the Acts passage, all the household was baptized. I don't think infant baptism applies there. I think you're straining really hard. The pattern in the New Testament is clearly a response to faith in Christ. And again, even Piper, who leans pretty reformed, was very clear in his defense of believer's baptism, not infant baptism. Finally, the question that he asked regarding health matters and so forth and so on, a cultural... Well, it's all that aside. Yeah. I would say, number one, your OB-GYN and your pediatrician are the people to talk to on that. I did a little cursory look, and anecdotally, again, this was just a quick search, NIH, et cetera, Mayo Clinic, I don't see any long-term health implications for boys who've been circumcised. That would be the thing I would look at. I know there is a community moving against circumcision. Fine, well and good. Talk to your pediatrician that you choose because he or she's going to advise you on that better than me. Well, yeah. and But his question was that aside, should Christian parents have their sons circumcised for theological reasons? I don't think theologically you can argue that. I think, again, unless you're of the reform camp and you're going to hold yourself to infant baptism, Again, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but consistency would say if that's the sign of infant baptism and that's the everlasting covenant they're pointing to, it would kind of make sense. I don't agree with that. Yeah. But if that's their argument, and I remember R.C. on those tapes I listened to many, many times arguing that circumcision was the precursor to infant baptism. So I just think we're making a very big mountain out of a molehill when it comes to infant baptism. It's not taught in the New Testament. It's not even taught in the Old Testament, frankly. Baptism is what Christ commanded of his disciples, baptizing them, identifying them as my followers. And when he himself is Mm -hmm. baptized, we have this Trinitarian expression, the voice from heaven, Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was identified as God's son, Mm -hmm. the God man. So we're talking about identification as a believer in Christ, not a ritual that holds on to a covenant Mm -hmm. that was made to Abraham. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, or email us. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. 